Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the final part of our series going through the book of Colossians. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. We're wrapping up a series in the book of Colossians, and uh, we've been here for six weeks. Can you guys believe it? Anyone have been enjoying anything so far? Seen a couple of messages, hopefully. Hey, listen, if, if you haven't seen them, you can watch them online, and every person that watches online, we love you. We're so glad that you could be here. So Colossians chapter 3 is where we're finishing this series. I'm going to read kind of a longer passage of scripture and then we're going to get going. So Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. What a great way to start church today. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways. Come off, somebody. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. We're not done yet. It's not just sexual immorality. It's anger. It's rage. It's malice. Slander. Filthy language from your lips. Come on, somebody. How many of you guys have some filthy lips here today? Don't lie to each other either since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, Christ is all, and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want to call our message today, The Art of Dying. The Art of Dying. Hey, you guys can take a seat. Can we put our hands together for the worship team? So happy you guys could be here today. Uh, My name's Harrison, if you're new, and I'm the pastor here. Just honored that you could be here. I heard a quote recently, and I'm kind of paraphrasing the quote, uh, but it went essentially like this, and I thought it was kind of a truism, and it said, 100% of people will die. 100% of people will die. Death is the only undefeated entity. You guys ever heard anything like that? Because, like, you know, statistics, right? 100% of people will die. Death is the only entity that is undefeated. Now, I'll caveat, of course, as Christians, um, as believers, like, it's a little bit different because, yes, Death is coming, but we believe that Jesus has overcome death. He's overcome the grave. And those who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Come on, somebody. We know that. We know that. We know that. We know that. But just come back for a second. Um, 100, please. Thank you, Jake. um, Percent of people will die. Y'all are going to die some point. And it's interesting because I think all of us know this to be true, that death is inevitable. Death is coming for each and every one of us. Yet for as inevitable as it is, I would say for the large portion of us, we don't actually want to die. Like you know you're going to die, but you don't want to die. And I would even argue that a large portion of our life is spent, a large amount of our money even is spent trying not to die. That seatbelt that we wear every so we don't die. Listen, you guys know like in January and February, some of you older folks, younger folks, you'll learn. When you get that heating bill that's really expensive, 
that money you're paying, you're literally paying it so you do not die. Like a large portion of our life, the medication that you take every single day, the vitamins that you take in the morning, the food that you eat, it is all so we don't die. Yet the ironic part about life is that each and every one of us will eventually and inevitably die. Every person has died. Now what's interesting is that as as a people, death then should be our second language, right? As natural as living should be, death should be just as natural. Death should, 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 should come to us as a second language. Yet what's interesting is that for as natural as death should be, I think we would all agree that death still feels unnatural. Anyone that has ever experienced a, a, a sudden death or a tragic death or really any death at all will let you know in that moment, although it is the natural process of life, there is actually nothing natural about it. Now, now for a Darwinian naturalist, they don't really have an explanation for that. Because as a, as a Darwinian naturalist, the idea is that we come from nothing, we are nothing, the life, our lives really are a result of death, Right? Thousands of years, millions of years of death and decay, i.e. death is our second language. And so a Darwinian naturalist doesn't really have an explanation for that feeling of emptiness that we feel. Why? Because it should be our second language. Now, as Christians, we actually do have an answer for why death, although it is natural, it feels so unnatural. And the answer to that question, that feeling, is because we as people were never meant to die. We, we as people were created in the image of God and created to live forever, to be with him forever on, on the paradise that he created. But as we know, and as some of us may know, sin entered the world and kind of put a wrench in those plans. Because with sin came death. And with death came something for us as people that we were never supposed to experience. And so that explains it that although we are surrounded by death, it's why none of us actually want to experience it. It's why we'll do so much in our power not to die. Because it's not actually natural to us, even though it should be, and we have an answer for that. And so today, I'm not going to talk all about death. You're like, what kind of a sermon is this? <laughs> At least not in the physical sense. I'm not talking about the physical sense. I'm going to come back to this point, because I want to talk about the idea of death more so in the, liter- in the metaphorical and in the spiritual sense. Because literal death, spiritual, metaphorical death, has the same thing in common, I believe. It's unnatural to us. And that's what I want us to understand. So today, we're finishing up our series going through the book of Colossians. Can you just, anyone, like if you guys have been here at all for this series, can you just clap your hands? Amazing. We're, we're moving forward as a church into a new season starting next week, but uh, we're finishing this kind of last part from our summer season. And what we've seen in this book, this book was written by a man named Paul to a church at Colossae. And Paul has kind of had a central um, theme in this book that all of those competing things in life, be it philosophical ideas, be it religion, all of these things need to take a back seat to the one thing that actually matters, and that is Jesus. And so we called this, this, this series Jesus at the Center because what Paul has been trying to do is he's been trying to get us to refocus Jesus, not as something on the peripheral, but something at the center of our lives. And so today we're kind of looking at where Paul puts a bow on his dissertation of putting Jesus at the center. And essentially it's going like this. Okay, we know that Jesus should be at the center of our lives. Now what? 
What, what do we do next? You see, the truth I want us to understand is that we can, we can make this, this connection in our brain. Okay, Jesus saved us. He is Lord and Savior. Um, he's above all, in all, through all. It's amazing. But the truth is Jesus does not just save us to have an intellectual understanding of what he has done. And we made this argument two weeks ago, but Jesus has also not saved us so we can just begin to think about heaven. Like, I just can't wait to leave this place. Like, Jesus is coming. Come, Lord, take me home. Country road. You see, what Paul's going to show us is that Jesus saves us and, and, and redeems us, and we put him at the center of our lives. Now he wants us to have that intellectual knowledge and take that intellectual knowledge and actually make a difference in how we live, in how we, in how we look, in how we treat each other. One thing we said, we said the kingdom of God begins now. This is this great theological concept that the kingdom of heaven is far away, yet it's also right here, right now. And so what we say as a church is that we exist to bring a little piece of the kingdom here right now. We want to bless our city here right now. That's why we do amazing things like, like helping out single moms or every single month we're supporting the St. Albert Food Bank, supporting missionaries overseas. Why do we do it? Because we believe we're called to make an impact here and now. And every single person that calls Kingdom Church home, you guys play a part in that. And we love you. And that's amazing. But I want you to understand something. A part of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth is not just what we do as a church. It's actually how we live our lives as individuals. It's how we take what we do here when we gather and take it into the world as we scatter. And for a lot of people, it's like, I love church. I can invite people there because, like, you know, Jesus makes a big difference. But, Pastor, like, my life, I don't really know how to make a difference. Like, I don't know how to live with Jesus at the center like when I go to work or when I go to school, or when I'm talking with my certain group of friends. Like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to actually make a difference. I don't know how to actually tangibly, practically bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Now, I believe that if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you have a personal responsibility to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. The question we need to ask ourselves is how? And even more so, why? Do so many of us not actually make a difference? And I believe, and the answer is quite simple, I believe the reason that a lot of us will not make a difference on this earth in our personal life is because we don't know how to die. And more than that, we don't want to die. Now, I'm going to explain this, again, not in the literal sense, but in the metaphorical sense. Because you need to understand something. When it comes to the Christian message, the Christian message is all about death. Theologians call the idea of Jesus crucified the great reversal. And what the grace reversal is, is that Jesus took the very concept of death and on the cross, he flipped it upside down. Paul says he made a mockery of death. And so there's this idea that as believers, the things that everyone else sees as foolish, the things everyone else kind of runs away from, we as believers lean into. And I think that we live in a world, and I'm going to break this down all morning, that is trying to run away from death. Yes, there's the literal but there's also the metaphorical. We live in a world that does not want to die because to die in the metaphorical sense, I'll explain it, pushes back against the very fabric of our fallen DNA. But to understand something when you follow Jesus, it's always about pushing back against your natural inclinations. So that's where I want to go this morning. Can I break this down? Okay, Colossians chapter three, verse five 
just the first half, Paul says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, I'm just reading the first half of of verse 5 because it's so rich. Paul says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So I'm going to go into the Greek for a second because this is is important. So put to death, in the original language that Paul wrote it, is literally this Greek word, nekrosate. Come on, somebody. How many of you guys know I'm smart? (laughs) And can use Google. Um, But to make dead... It is the literal, necrosate, it means to make dead, but even more, there's this, there's this connotation of to exterminate something. Not, not to like just get in there, but like to literally destroy, cut off, kill, exterminate. And so what Paul says, Paul says exterminate, kill, put to death your earthly nature. I need you to understand this. What is your earthly nature? What does that mean? What is Paul saying? What is Paul telling me to kill, put to death, exterminate? Paul is saying, put to death, kill, exterminate your natural inclinations. The thing that you think you're supposed to do, the thing that you feel first, Paul says, put it to death. And I'll tell you why this is so countercultural, not just to us as people, but especially our culture. Because maybe you know this and maybe you don't, but we live in a secular culture here in Canada. But it's a secular culture that was without God, without Christianity in a sense, but it is not without creed and it is not without doctrine. Our world doesn't believe in God, but they have a great theological doctrine. And the theological doctrine of our day is simply this, and you could say it in many different ways, but you guys have heard this. All we have to do as people is be true to ourselves. You guys heard this? Just be true to yourself. Listen, 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 listen. Whatever you believe is great because you're being true to yourself. And I'm being true to me. And so as long as we are true to ourselves, we will all just have an amazing life. And it sounds so euphoric and it sounds so rainbows and butterflies. Ooh, live your truth. I love that idea. And the truth is, this is a thought process that people have inside and outside of the church. There's Christians that believe this, but I came here to tell you that that is the complete and exact opposite of the Christian message. The Christian message is not live your truth. It's the opposite. It says die to yourself and die to your natural inclinations. And it's letting you know that whatever you perceive as truth might not actually be true. How's that for a sales pitch? Paul says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Why? This is your earthly nature, he says. Continuing, he says, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. He says, listen, you've taken that off. He's talking to Christians. You've taken that off. That's no longer who you are. That was your natural inclination, but you've taken it off. You see, a, 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 lot, a question, that, and maybe you've asked it before, but I think we ask it as a society when we try to understand people. We asked them the question, and you guys maybe have heard it before, like, um, is it nature or is it nurture? You guys heard that concept? Yeah. Like, for, someone, for the reason someone is the way they are. Like, were they born that way 
Or was it maybe like just the environment that they were in? Like they grew up in an abusive household. They were, it was just, there was a lot of anger, so therefore they're angry. It's just nurture. Or some people are like, no, it's just nature. Like you're born a certain way, whatever it may be. Now, I happen to believe that most of us are a product of nature and nurture. But you want to know the Christian answer to that question? Can I tell you the Christian answer? Yeah. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter why you are the way you are. It doesn't matter if you're born like that. It doesn't matter if it was nature. It doesn't matter if it was nurture. Because what Paul is letting us know is that, yes, it may be natural to you. It may come easy to you, but guess what? You have to put it to death. So here's the point I want to make, because we live in a world and follow your truth, what it's really saying is just follow your natural inclinations. And to follow your natural inclinations is the easiest thing to do. Why? Because it's natural. Here's the point I want to make, and here's the point I believe Paul is making. You can write this down. Just because it's natural, it doesn't have to be our normal. Just because it's natural, it doesn't have to be our normal. I encourage you to write this down. Because what you need to understand about your natural inclination, although your natural inclination comes easy, although your natural inclination may bring you what you think you need, what you think you want, it's not what you actually need. It's not what you actually want. What if your natural inclination, the thing that came easy to you, was actually wrong? You guys ever watch Seinfeld? I wasn't going to preach about this, but there's an episode um, called The Summer of George. And George Costanza, what he realizes is that his life is a mess because he follows his natural inclinations. And so what he does for a whole summer, he does the exact opposite of everything that he thought he should do, and then his life becomes amazing. So moral of the story, watch Seinfeld. Um, but there's a great theological lesson in it. Your natural inclination, the things that come easy, isn't always what's right. It isn't always what's best for you. Can we be honest? Like, I know our society says, live your authentic self follow your truth, all these things. But if we're honest, you guys know this to be true. The things that come the most easy to us do not produce the best things for us. Come on, how many of you guys ever got angry before? Yeah. I just blew up. I don't know where that came from. You know where it came from? It came naturally and easy. But what was the fruit of it? What did it produce? Well, I ruined that relationship. We haven't talked in six months. But it came naturally. Listen, anyone that struggles with lust, and I talk to a lot of people, specifically guys, and I'll ask him, like, hey, where did it start? Like, I don't really know. It wasn't like, it just kind of came naturally. Just kind of came naturally. <laughs> Here's another one. You guys ever stubbed your toe? <laughs> Listen, I don't care how holy, anointed you are. <laughs> like, when you stub your toe, when it really hurts, you just want to, you just want to swear. And not like, like the Christian swear doesn't do it. <laughs> like I, just, like I, wanna, I need to drop something dirty because that just... But where does that come from? It's our natural inclination. You guys see what I'm saying? But what Paul's trying to argue is that our natural doesn't have to be our normal. Listen, um, I used to... No, I still do, uh, but I, I did pre-marriage counseling. Um, but most specifically, I did a lot when I was like 22 and not married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to all those couples. <laughs> but one thing that I would do, um, because like, I didn't know a whole lot, is I would just read a list of questions to couples. And one of the questions I remember I would ask, I would say, hey, listen, uh, divorce rate is about 50% right now. 
what are you going to do to make sure that you're not part of the, the bad side of 50%? Just a question on my sheet, 22 years old. But one thing I can tell you is that even at 22 years old, I could, I could, I could recognize nonsense very fast. And I'll tell you, most of the answers that people gave were complete and utter nonsense. Like, well, we just get each other. Like, for the first time in my life, someone understands me. Honestly, Harrison, the passion's just there. There's just, like, there's just, we just, we just love each other. There's just a strong feeling of love. Like, we're just, we're just gonna love each other. Here's the issue. Here's the issue with those answers and why they're not very deep. Falling in love, I believe, is very natural. Staying in love isn't. It's not natural. Listen, there's, there's a thing going around. Maybe you guys have heard it. It's like monogamy isn't natural. I kind of agree. Now, now Christians will say, Pastor, haven't you read Genesis? And I'll tell you something. Christians, you do a great disservice when you try and, and talk about sexual morality by going back to Genesis. Because yes, that is God's ideal. But again, we live in a fallen world. And so although that is God's ideal and it is still God's ideal, that doesn't mean it's our natural anymore. Why? Because we're sinful fallen beings. I encourage you to read the rest of Genesis and find out what happens. <laughs> sexual immorality. Why? Because natural. They begin to follow the natural. And so for a lot of people, you need to understand this. In the culture that we live in, they fall in love and it's rainbows and butterflies. And they think to themselves, I'm always going to feel how I feel right now. I'm always going to have this natural love. I'm always going to have this natural affection, this natural devotion. But you need to understand something. It may come easy for a time, but it won't always. There's going to be seasons. Men, there's going to be seasons when you're about like 30, 40 years old. You kind of get in that mid-crisis thing. And there's going to be a voice in your head, and it's going to sound very natural. And the voice is going to say, you know what? It might just be easier to do this by myself. It might just be easier to find a new job, find a new wife, find a new house. And it's going to feel very natural. Women, there's going to be a time where you're like, my husband does everything under the sun except what he should actually do. <laughs> and it's, it's going to feel really natural. Not even like, I don't need someone else. Just give me some alone time. It's going to feel natural, but you need to understand culture says lean in. Lean into those feelings. Paul says put them to death. Paul says put them to death. What's the solution? Paul says put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. I need you to understand something. Those voices in our heads so many times that feel natural, that I feel like I was born this way, whatever it may be, I was nurtured, this, whatever it is, Paul says put it to death. Push back against your natural inclinations. We need to push back against that lie to follow my heart. My heart is deceitful. It constantly lies to me. But culture says, hey, if that person offends you, you cut them off. You do not need toxic in your life. It's all about you. It's all about your happiness, your feelings, your natural inclinations. Paul says, put it to death. How? Super simple, it's going to be an unnatural process. If what's natural is right, is, is wrong, sorry, 
<laughs> then the process of getting better is going to feel very unnatural. It's going to feel very, there's going to be times, can I tell you, you're just going to have to run. There's going to be times when lust overtakes your heart and it's going to feel so natural. And guess what? Don't pray. I'm just going to pray. No, run. Like, run. Listen, there's going to be times people offend you and you're going to want to cut them off. You're not going to want to talk to them again. But what you have to do is forgive. It's not going to feel natural, but what if it was actually what's best for you? Now, I want you to understand something. A lot of times, especially in Christians, and maybe it's been bad packaging, but we get discouraged when we're trying to follow the ways of Jesus, but we don't feel it. And we have this thought that says, well, you know, if, if what Jesus says was true and good, like, shouldn't I really, really want to forgive people? Shouldn't I really, really want to stay in one relationship? Shouldn't I not want to look at that over there? But what Paul is saying and what I want us to understand and why I talked about death at the beginning was because I need to hammer home this idea that death is unnatural. And so in the process of putting to death the things that feel natural, it's not going to feel natural. Do you guys see what I'm saying? And so many of us, we get, we get I just, I'm following Jesus. I should just feel it. I should just want to do it. No, you will not always want to do it. And that's where faith comes in. That's where trust comes in, that Jesus knows more than I do. That his way is better than my way because I am a sinful and fallen being. I'll, I'll tell you, I think just being true to yourself is a death trap. It's a death trap. Some of us say, Harrison, I'm a good person, though. Like, I'm a really good person, so I think my natural inclinations are pretty good. And I'll give you this, you're probably good in some areas. But we're not all good. And any emotion, anything left unchecked will lead to pain, lead to emptiness, and lead to brokenness. And so Paul says, put it to death. I was listening to John Mark Comer. Um, if you guys know him, he's an amazing um, author, pastor, speaker. And he said something I thought was so profound. Um, he said, our strongest desire isn't always our deepest desire. I need you to write this down. Our strongest desire isn't always our deepest desire. Because listen, why do we follow our feelings? Why do sometimes we just feel the temptation is too much? Because it is a strong desire. It's super strong. And so we begin to run this narrative that says, well, if this, if I, if this desire wasn't what I need, I wouldn't feel this strongly about it. But what John Mark Homer is arguing, he's saying your strongest desire isn't necessarily your deepest desire. And a lot of times what happens is the reason we end up going from pain to pain, brokenness to brokenness, hurt to hurt, is because all we do is satisfy our strongest desire, but we never get to the root of our deepest desire. And we never understand what is actually the matter with us. Why? Because we have bought the lie that says, follow your feelings. When Jesus says, Paul says, put them to death, and then you can begin to understand what's actually in there. We can begin to, un because listen, what happens, and if you guys don't know, a society and a culture of, of, of people that do not look beneath the surface, it looks kind of like our culture right now. Have you wondered why everyone hates each other so much right now? Have you wondered why everyone is so angry? It's because what happens is there is a culture that is only viewing things on a very shallow level. And they've never gone beneath the surface to understand what is actually the issue. 
I'll tell you something right now. COVID is not your issue. Freedom is not your issue. Vaccinations are not your issue. Masks are not your issue. There is something beneath the surface. But what happens is we deal with things at a surface level, at the natural, our natural inclinations. And so what happens is then the two sides just fight back and forth because no one actually knows what their issue is. And that's not just society in a whole. That's in our relationships. That's in our families. It's a whole bunch of us staying at the surface because it's natural, but there's something deeper. And so what I want to do is I want to show us how we can begin to put to death the natural and look deeper. So Paul continues. He says, you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of the creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I'm going to come back to this verse because you're kind of like, why is he talking about equality? I'll show you in a second. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So here's the point. How do I find out what I really want? How do I find out what is actually in, in, in the depths of my soul? You need to clothe yourself. You need to clothe yourself. And in brackets, I want you to write, naked is our natural. Naked is our natural. Listen, for the people that say, Pastor, I just don't feel like compassion. I don't feel kindness. I don't feel humility. I don't feel, I just don't, I don't feel it. Listen, that's okay. Because naked is your natural. Because naked is your natural. I need you to understand something. If you didn't know this, I'll give you guys a great biological lesson. When you are born, you're born naked. I love the movies sometimes. You guys ever see those, like the birth scenes, and all of a sudden the baby's like fully clothed? Like, where did that come, where did that come from? Just to educate you guys, you're born naked. Naked is our natural. Now, you need to understand why this metaphor is so rich. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying, if our natural inclinations is our nakedness, it is natural for you to be naked. Therefore, I need to constantly and continually clothe myself. If naked's my natural, I need to get dressed. I need to intentionally put on humility. I need to intentionally put on compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience. Why? Because those things are not my natural. So I have to get dressed. Now, I want you to understand something. For a person of science, I talked a little bit about Darwinian naturalism, this principle causes a great dilemma. And I'll show you. So Paul says this, again, we just read it. He says, put on your new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here, you need to understand this, in the place where we are clothed, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So what he's saying is this, it is only when we are clothed with Jesus that there is equality. Now, we live, and I'm giving you guys some apologetics, just a little... Can I, can I do that quickly? Because yeah. we live in a naturalistic world. And the naturalistic world says everything is of science and because of science. Uh, there's no really morality. It's just natural, naturalism, naturalism. And a lot of times Christians say, man, it's, I feel so stupid believing in God. Like, I don't have anything to say. But you need to understand something. Our world right now is living in great opposition to itself, and I'll explain it. Because we have two halves of the spectrum. And one half of the spectrum says essentially there is no God do whatever you want to do. Maybe you have a Darwinistic worldview that says we came from cells, atoms, years of decay and death. 
That's one half of the spectrum. What's the other half of the spectrum? Equality, right? We need to fight for equality. We need to fight against racism. We need to fight against um, toxic masculinity. We need to fight against anything that causes division. But the two halves of the spectrum do not work. And I'll tell you why. Because if you believe in a naturalistic worldview, meaning there is no higher morality, there is no higher God, where did you ever come to the assumption that equality is a real thing? In the natural world, there is no such thing as equality. How the natural world goes is survival of the fittest. And so if I am stronger than you, if I can assert my dominance over you, I am better than you. No one ever watches Natural Geographic when the lion eats the antelope and say, oh my gosh, that is so systemically terrible. Save, no one says that. But why do we say it is humans? It's because we can say we believe in the naturalistic worldview, but you don't actually. You believe actually in something that I believe is deep inside in you, that we are created in the image of God. And in the image of God, equality does exist. And in the image of God, we are champions for equal rights. We are champions for ending racism, for ending any types of misogyny, toxic, any, we're, we're, we're for equality. But it is only when we understand our value comes from Jesus. But if we want to live in a world that says my naked is okay, I'm going to follow my natural inclinations, you actually have no leg to stand on when it comes to equality. Because you're living in contradiction to each other. I'm just giving you guys some apologetics for your friends. But here's the point I'm trying to really bring across. If I don't want to clothe myself, I'm going to always be naked. And if I'm naked and I follow my natural inclinations, it's going to lead me somewhere I don't actually want to go. And so the question is this, Harrison, how do I clothe myself? How do I actually do it? It's super simple. Can I tell you how to clothe yourself? Eugene Peterson puts it like this. It's a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. What does that actually mean? I was praying this week. Um, and I, I've told you guys before, I kind of journal my prayers. Um, and this was before I actually got into the message. And um, I was just, at the beginning of my prayers, I kind of say the same thing a lot of times. God, forgive me for my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Help me be more like you. Kind of all those things. And then I had this moment. And I was like, man, like, do I need to say the same thing every single day? Do I really, like, do I really need to ask him every single day to fill me with his spirit? Um, then I read this passage. And I felt God say, absolutely, yes, you do. Why? Because naked is my natural. And so every single day I need to wake up and I need to say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with humility. Fill me with kindness. Fill me with patience. Why? Because those things are not natural to me. That's not where my heart wants to go. And so what we need to do when we talk about a long obedience in the same direction is doing the same little things day after day, week after week, month after month, and it's going to be slow and it's going to be long, but I'm going to be obedient to Christ. And you need to understand something. Prayer is the key, but it's one half of the equation because the other half of the equation is Bible study. Because you need to understand something. I can pray to the cows come home, Jesus, help me to be patient, but if I've never read the word of God, I don't know what Christian patience looks like. God, help me to love. I've never read the Bible. I don't know what actual love looks like. And so I can think I'm loving people because I love the way the culture loves, but the way Jesus loves is vastly different. And there's an, a pandemic, an epidemic of people that do not read the word of God. And so what happens is they have no idea even how do I combat against negative thoughts. 
Because negative thoughts do not go away in and of themselves. This is a, a psychological concept. They have to actually be pushed out with something different. And that's where the word of God comes in. And so it's these things, prayer, Bible study. I'll add a third, community. I need to be in community. I need to have people that can let me know, hey, you're not actually being patient. Like some people, because like, the thing is this, maybe some people are really, really about you. Like, bro, like you're killing it because I see you. I see you on Instagram, bro. Like you're just crushing it. No one knows you on Instagram. I need someone that actually sees me and can speak life into me. So listen, it's one thing to know, and this is what Paul is saying. It's one thing to know orthodoxy, beliefs. Jesus is above all. He's in all. I'm saved. But orthodoxy is only as valuable as orthopraxy, meaning how I practice what I believe. If I don't practice what I believe, I only have one half of the equation. And so what we need to do is we need to push back against the, the lie of our society. And we need to get dressed. Every single day. We need to put to death our natural inclinations every single day. But let me tell you why this metaphor is so rich. Because some of us are saying, man, that's kind of hard. Like, that's going to feel monotonous. It's going to feel like I'm not getting anywhere. But as I look out today, thankfully, every single one of you guys got dressed this morning. And I don't think any person this morning was putting on their pants putting on their shirt and saying, oh my gosh, here we go again. <laughs> Got to put my underwear on again. You know why? It's because once you do something for an extended period of time, come on, how many of you guys been getting dressed for 50 years? It just becomes second nature. And so that's the richness of the metaphor. I understand that naked is my natural, but the more I do something, I can actually make my unnatural my natural. You guys see what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's go. And so Paul is saying, let's get dressed. And so what if as a church, we could begin to say, I'm not going out into the battlefield naked. I'm going to get dressed today. I'm going to get dressed tomorrow. And I'm not going to, because, listen, listen, listen. A lot of us are saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to war. I'm like, you know, because we're in war right now. Yep, I'm going to, they're going to know what I feel. They're going to know what I think. That's not what he says. He says, dress yourself with kindness, with patience, with gentleness, with self-control, the fruits of the spirit. Because listen to this, and I'm going to make a pastoral appeal as I close. In a world that is divided, we need a church and a people that is united. And listen, if, if, if you're waking up every single morning ready for war, because I'm going to blast those people at work, I'm going to show them I know what's up. They don't know the death rate. Right? I'm going to tell them what. <laughs> listen, a church that is not living naked but fully clothed will stand out so much in a world that is completely naked right now and does not know up from down right from wrong, backwards from forwards. And so what does it look like when we actually begin to be clothed, when we live a life in community, in prayer, in Bible study, in groups? Paul says, you'll begin to bear with each other. You can forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, over everything, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since you are members of one body, you were called to peace. And always be thankful. In this climate right now, peace 
is unnatural. And it's a good thing that God does not call us um, or does not tell us that peace, peace is natural. Instead, he calls us to it because he knows that it is unnatural. It is not the natural inclination of our hearts. And so right now, you need to understand something. We're living in a spirit and an age where everyone is about power. And it's not just like thrones or positions. It's power of thought. I need everyone to think how I think. It's powers of opinion. Powers of politics, whatever it may be. And in this time, what I've seen is so many of us want to be right. I want to be right. Just I want to be right. I'm just right. That's all that matters. And you need to understand something. As believers, there is right and wrong. 100% there is right and wrong. But there is no verse in, Bible that, in the Bible that says we are called to be right. But we are called to peace. And we are called to love. And there's only one way to get there. And it is through this idea of submission. This idea of submission. So here's the last thing I want you to write down. Write this down. The language of Christianity is submission. The language of Christianity is submission. Now, a lot of times, people think the Bible only talks about wives submitting to their husbands. So they're like, oh, I can't stand the Bible. You need to understand something. Yes, submit to your husband. Come on, somebody. Um, <laughs> but the language of Christianity is submission. And so what that means is submission is littered throughout scriptures. It is the language of God. Jesus the Son submitted to the will of the Father and he went on the cross and he bore our sins. And so as believers, you need to understand something. What that means is that we submit to Christ. But when you and I submit to Christ, this submission doesn't end there. We then begin to submit to each other. And that's why he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Love, peace. I need to submit to my brother and sister. Listen, you need to understand something. We are not all going to agree on everything. It's just not going to happen. Now, there's some really important things we need to agree on, like Jesus. But at the very end of the day, we are called to be peacekeepers. And I said it a moment ago. I'll say it again. In a world that is divided, we need a people that are united. And if we as a church and Christians are not united together, how will we ever make a difference outside of this place? And so the only way that we can do that is that when we can come together in mutual submission. But here's how submission works. The only way that you and I will be able to submit to each other is if we come together and agree that we are submitted to Christ. That's how submission works. It's the same thing in a marriage. If you're like, I don't want to submit to my husband. You don't have to. Just don't get married then. But you're only submitting to him because he submits to Christ. And in the same sense, he will submit to you because you're both in submission to Jesus. And so you need to understand something. Maybe the reason that a lot of us have just had this division, this hate, this vitriol, is because we have been submitting to the wrong things. We have been making something else Lord of our life, something that is not Jesus. And so what happens if you guys are submitting to something else, you're never gonna be able to submit to each other. Because if the government is my main source of life and someone disagrees with me politically, how can I ever submit to each other? I'm gonna be honest, for some of us, we've made the wrong thing the mission in our life. If the mission in your life right now is to tell people to get vaccinated, you have the wrong mission. 
If the mission in your life right now is to tell people not to get vaccinated, you got the wrong mission. If the mission in your life right now is to tell people to wear masks, you got the wrong mission. If the mission in your life right now is to tell people not to wear masks, you got the wrong mission. If the mission in your life right now is to let people know who to vote for September 20th, you have the wrong mission. And all those things have a time and a place, wherever it may be, but as believers and followers of Jesus, we must first and foremost submit to the mission of Jesus. And when we submit to the mission of Jesus, all of these things do not become central to our life, but surface disagreements that do not actually matter. I don't care who wins September 20th because Jesus is on the throne the 21st. I cannot and I will not submit to other people if I'm submitted to the wrong thing. And so we need to check our hearts and say, what has my mission been for the last year and a half? If I'm submitted to my business, I'll never be able to love people. If money runs my life, I'll never be able to love people. If sex runs my life, I'll never be able to live in unity. So what are we submitted to? Let's be submitted to peace. I'll give you something really practical you can do. You can stop posting passive aggressive memes on Facebook. Whatever side you're on. I know you think it's gonna change someone's life, it won't. It's just gonna fuel the fire. But what if, here's, here's a better thing, what if we began to share hope? Listen, um, we have this thing called a YouTube page. You guys could share a link to a message. If this message encouraged you, you could share a link. Why? Because we're submitted to the message of Jesus, which is to bring hope, to bring healing to a world that desperately needs it. So let's begin to submit to the proper thing. Let's begin to clothe ourselves and put to death the natural. Because if you want to remember one thing today, just remember your natural doesn't have to be your normal. Let's just stand for a second. I just want to take a moment, just a prayer. And if there's anyone right now, just we're going to close our eyes. And you're just saying, Harrison, I just want to come under the mission of Jesus. Uh, I just want to, I don't want to follow my heart anymore. I don't want to follow my natural inclinations. I want to clothe myself in humility and in grace and kindness. I'd love to pray for you right now. Um, so if you want to just pray, if you want to receive that, I just encourage you, you just open your hands up. Um, just for any of us that want to receive this, that want to live for Jesus. God, I pray. For every single person that hears these words, God, I pray that we can begin to live under you, God, just in submission to you, Jesus. I pray that we can take your word at value, God. I pray that we can just begin to see that we don't have to follow our natural inclinations, that we can love, that we can hope again, that we can love again, Jesus. And so, God, I pray for a spirit of unity to come over us as individuals, to come over us as a church, God. And I pray for anyone that needs hope and healing in your name. God, I pray that they find it today. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your precious and holy name that is above all names. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.